Welcome back to another episode of the Project Mormon Podcast with me, Connor Warman. My guest today is Lindsay Andrew. I met Lindsay when she came for a diesel day last year. Lindsay first found CrossFit in 2008. She co-owned multiple CrossFit gyms in Las Vegas and also competed at regionals on a team for six years during that time. In 2013, she became a member of the CrossFit seminar staff. In this episode, we dive into her journey into finding CrossFit, coaching, working on seminar staff, and her Diesel Day experience from last year. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I had a lot of fun talking to Lindsay, and I hope you all enjoyed this conversation as much as I did as well. And now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. One go. Lindsay, what's up? How's it going? Hey, Connor. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's a wonderful, gloomy Monday, so doing great. Is it nice in Virginia Beach? Like, is the weather good? Uh, you know, we have four seasons. Summertime is definitely fun, way more fun than the wintertime. So it's fast approaching. Thank goodness. I'm ready. Four seasons of summertime? Is that what you said? No, four seasons, but summertime is like the best time, obviously, because well, the beach. That's like anywhere, right? Not necessarily. Some people like to, you know, ski and snowboard. So maybe they would say wintertime is better. Yeah, I'm always kind of critical of those people. I don't really get it. <laughs> I'm definitely a beach girl. So yeah, I'm definitely ready for the warmer weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the winter can't be too bad there. No, it's pretty mild considering. Yeah. Considering what? Considering that we have winter in general. It's not bad. We don't get like dumped with snow. So. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, all right, let's start with where were you, where are you from originally? I'm from Kansas City originally. Missouri or Kansas? Um, so neither. I hate saying. I hope I don't offend anybody when I say this, but like Kansas City, Kansas, because there's you know Kansas City, Kansas, the Kansas side and the Missouri side is kind of hood. So mm. <laughs> I'm not from Kansas City, Kansas. I am from Kansas City, a suburb uh, on the Kansas side, so like south essentially of Kansas City. Are they two different cities? Downtown will be considered Kansas City is on the Missouri side. But yeah, technically they're two different cities. But they're close. Yeah, like you go along the state line, it's just like you're in the same area. It doesn't, it's kind of, it's kind of strange, I guess, because in other cities you're like in that state. So Mm. yeah. And what did you do? What kind of sports did you play? What did you do for fun out in Kansas? Um, so I was a swimmer growing up, so I was on the swim team until high school. And then, um, and then I just did not do much after that because I left the state when I was like 21. So, so you just swam. Yeah. I just swam. That was it. Yeah. Like what events did you do? Bro, that dude, that was so long ago. Do you know how long ago that was? Yeah. Like five years. Oh my God. It was like. 25 years. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> That's a long time ago. Can't remember that far back. I don't No, I just remember copious amounts of laps and swimming. Um, I was better at shorter durations, but like just so much swimming, so much before school, after school, so much. That's so, another thing yeah. I never really got. Like similar to track, like why do people do the really long ones? You know, some people enjoy that. I think, you know, just like CrossFit workouts, some people enjoy like the long grinding, you know, grunt work ones where other people like the ones that are 
short and quick. Yeah, but it's different when you have different things to do versus like going back and forth in a pool or around and around on a track. <laughs> definitely agree with that. That's for sure. I'm just I'm swimming, still swimming, still swimming. <laughs> still going. Um, all right. So why did you leave the state of Kansas? Uh, so I was... 21 and I had visited Hawaii for a few weeks and I fell in love with it and I was like I'm out hmm. I don't think I was ever meant to stay in Kansas I just um you know I had some you know I went through some juvenile delinquent years and uh you know it was time to move on from there so uh I left I moved to Hawaii and I was there for about a year before I found myself in Vegas for 12 so oh wow did yeah. you go to school or anything uh, no, not, uh, not until later. So. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So after you graduated mm -hmm. high school, what'd you do? Um, so I basically, I had like a whole bunch of like odd jobs. So I worked for like T-Mobile back in the day. Uh, before that it was, um, voice stream. I don't, I'm really dating myself right now, but yeah. Um, I worked for them for that company for a while. Um, my friend owned, a uh, like window covering business, I worked for him for a while and then that was around that time that I, that I went to Hawaii. So, and then why'd you go to Hawaii in the first place? Just to visit, just to check mm. it out. Yeah. What, what Island did you go to? I was on Oahu. Is that the, that's not the big Island that, that no, that's the Honolulu one. That's like, mm. yeah. Yeah. We're the, probably the most populated. That's like the surfing so. one, right? Well, I mean, I feel like most of them are surfing, but um, but Oahu's like were... famous, right? Yeah, like Waikiki area for mm. like that kind of stuff. But I wouldn't. I don't go back to Oahu when I go. I usually go to Kauai now. Mm. So Kauai's nice. I've been yeah. there once. It was a yes, cool, it was a cool place. Love that place. Um, mm -hmm. Love the people there. So, so you went to Vegas for twelve years. Yeah. So after Hawaii, I went to Vegas for 12 years. Um, I would have left after one, but you know, you get relationships, businesses, and then you end up staying. So yeah, 12 years. I can't believe it. 12 years. Ugh. And what made you go from Hawaii to Vegas? So I was back to the mainland to travel with my grandmother from Kansas city to visit one of her sisters, um, on the Cape. And on the way back, one of my best friends, she was like, Hey, I really want to check out Vegas. So we did. And then I just never left. Mm. <laughs> I just had all my stuff shipped and I was like, oh, I'm moving here. So yeah, that was that. Nice. And what'd you do there? Uh, so for a long time, I worked in the service industry. So, um, bartending and cocktail waitressing in like the nightclubs. Yeah. On the strip. How was that? It feels like a different, it's like a, it's like a lifetime ago. And this is so funny to talk about it just doesn't feel like did I do that yeah it was uh it was a wild time I'm um never shocked at anything that I see anymore I feel like I'm desensitized to a lot of things totally. um yeah <laughs> you know um you know but it was a it was a moment in time and you know fun times maybe some more wild times that uh you know you do in your youth but yeah all part of the journey all part of the journey so then when and how did you get in the CrossFit? Um, so I was still bartending at the time and a couple of my coworkers, I was working at um, Tao nightclub at the time and a couple of my coworkers worked at Tao beach. 
uh, one of them was a promoter and then another one was a bartender at Beach. And um, they kept telling me about this thing and they wanted me to come to the gym. And I was like, what is this? Like Zumba is just like a fad. This is 2008. And um, finally I went and checked it out. And much like many people's stories, you know, I walked in the door um, and then, you know, never left essentially. So 15 years later, still doing it. So yeah, that's how I found it. And what were you doing before that to that point? Uh, for fitness? Yeah. Oh my gosh, nothing. It was completely devastating when I started. I thought I was incredibly fit because I could, you know, flip four bottles upside down to make a Long Island iced tea. Or like I had stamina because I could go to work at 9 p.m., have like a pee break at 3 a.m. And then, um, you know, be done at work at 6 a.m. Enter CrossFit and it, you know, how it quickly humps you. So I was not... I think the last time I went to a, like a regular gym before I started CrossFit, I walked in to Las Vegas LV Fitness. What was it called? I think that's what it's called. I walked in, I walked upstairs where all the machines were, did like a lap around a couple of them, walked downstairs. I'm pretty sure I got a shake and then I left. And that was the last time I was at like a regular gym. <laughs> <laughs> for years after I started across it too, I just like never went to a normal gym. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. So and what yeah, was it about? Fitnesser. What was it about CrossFit that like hooked you in and got you doing something consistently? Yeah. Um, so, you know, in a regular gym, I've had like personal training before, and I just never feel like that did anything, or they were just going through the motions and they didn't really know what they were doing. So immediately, what I liked was that there was like personal training inside of a group session and the things that we were doing made sense. Um, and it was fun. It was different every day. So I think that appealed to like me getting bored, like I get bored easy. So I don't like to do the same thing all the time. Um, and then results happened really quickly. So that just kept me there. Plus the people, you know, it's back then it was when I started, it was all like fire breathers, you know, people that already had like 18,000 abs and they were already really fit. That That's who was doing CrossFit then. So to be cheered on by those people, that was a little, that was a strange. I was like, don't look at me, you know, look away. Um, but then all of a sudden you get energy off of that and you start um, being part of a community that's um, more health driven rather than just like destroying your liver on the weekends. And so those things just started infiltrating my life. And so um pretty quickly that happened so yeah that's why so do you think that's actually how it was in the beginning where it was like fire breather people or do you think that's just how you saw it no like do you think it's changed as much as you're leading on um yes i do i actually do um because then like not a lot of people knew about crossfit um it wasn't as mainstream as, as it is now and i think people that are entering crossfit um now probably would have never set foot in a CrossFit gym then. Hmm. I think just the intimidation factor was far higher than, um, yeah, I've seen it evolve over the years in that way. And, you know, now you're getting, you know, 90 year old people in the gym along with kids, not just young dudes, you know, military dudes essentially. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Do people th- that did sports already, yeah. you know, did it get like the, the super high intensity label right out of the gate. Do you think that's what turned people away or what do you think turned people away? Um, 
Potentially, yeah, but I think, you know, and there was this like um, image of it being rough and tough. You know, at that time we were, you know, beating tires with sledgehammers and we were <laughs> flipping tires. You're just like filthy doing things, which is great. But like, you know, back then the gyms weren't very nice. You know, you're in a facility where you're like on concrete that's potentially crumbling that I'm speaking of the first place yeah. that I was at, right? Um, you know, just completely polar opposite of what you would think the gym is like, mm -hmm. you know? So I think that, you know, that was aggressive to some type of people and some people, and, um, that might be like a turnoff, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and, and then also back then too, I feel like there was more of a, oh, you don't do CrossFit. Oh, <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever. You know, uh -huh. <laughs> maybe that, you know? Then now I'm just like, do you do something? Great. Mm -hmm. Do that. Yeah. Whatever you're consistent with. So, yeah. Yeah, the sledgehammer thing's hilarious. Growing up, we would go to this lake for the summer at my parents' lake house. And we had this neighbor who would always come by because we had a tire. We had like some, we would keep a barbell there so we could work out. He'd always come by with a sledgehammer and just want to beat the tire for like an hour. <laughs> like, okay, dude, go ahead. <laughs> you're like, cool. Awesome. Um, all right. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was weird. Yeah, I thought I don't, that moment in our time, I was just like, I never, yeah, the sledgehammer. I think we should bring that to, back. I don't, I don't, I don't, I think we can do the, do without that. I'll I talk to, okay. I'm going to talk to Nicole Christensen and tell her, I think we should bring the sledgehammer back. Well, I mean, they did do it at the games that one year where they were hitting that thing that would look like it was not moving whatsoever. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that yeah. the year where like some I people mean, decided to like drag it or whatever? I don't. I just there was different techniques like mm. that were not more or less optimal for <laughs> what they were trying to accomplish. <laughs> or I think one time at the games they had to drive in stakes into the ground too, which is mm. funny. But. I think the best event hey, of all man. time at the CrossFit Games was the softball toss. Oh man, Kalipa killed that one. <laughs> That's a good event. They should bring that one back. I'm just kidding, Jason. I love you. Um, yeah, that was that was devastating for yeah. that poor guy. <laughs> it was good. It was, I mean, it, it was great because it just demonstrates that sometimes just because you're a good fitnesser doesn't mean that you're necessarily athletic. An Although, we're, yeah, we're getting we're getting I think closer to that wheelhouse now with like some of the gymnastics and things that we have to program. You have to be pretty dang coordinated to do yeah. that kind of stuff. So I would like to see though if he took the field of games athletes and like put them in real sports to see how they do. Well, I know some would do pretty well because they yeah. used to play sports, you know. Yeah, the like, goat. like if the teams had to, yeah, like if the teams had to like play four on four basketball or something, <laughs> how that would go down. Just an just an amazing game of knockout. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. To. See. Oh my gosh! God. Yeah. Horrible. That might Horrible. be really bad. So, so you got into CrossFit in Las Vegas. Um, how long mm -hmm. was it until you decided to get into coaching or how did that, how did your evolution into working for CrossFit come about? Yeah. So, which this is a funny story because in the very beginning, I did not want to coach at all. Like, which is hilarious looking back at it now, you know, if you would have told me literally, if you would have told me like, 15 years ago that I would be teaching fitness and public speaking for a living, 
I would have laughed in your face. I mean, I'm really glad that it happened because who knows what the trajectory of my life would have looked like. Um, but like, <laughs> glad it happened, but it is funny. So I, I actually didn't want to coach. Um, I was really into what CrossFit was doing for me, um, like physically, but more so psychologically. Um, and I did not want to be responsible for somebody else. I was encouraged to try because um, they thought that I would really enjoy it. So I started coaching one of my girlfriends at the time, just one-on-one in the gym. So it was like a couple years. I had my first level one in 2009, the beginning of 2009, again, with not no intention of coaching. And then in 2010s, so I guess like a year and a half, maybe a couple years after starting CrossFit is when I actually started um, trying to, to teach other people. So I started with one of my good friends at the time who I highly recommend because they're incredibly forgiving and they just laugh at you when you make mistakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, I don't even know what I just <laughs> said to you, but okay, just look at me, try to do this. Um, and then, uh, and then I actually, uh, coached my, uh, then partner's, um, mom. And so also someone that was super forgiving. Um, and then I started coaching our, our foundations class. So, um, yeah, just brand new people. And that's how I kind of like on ripped slowly. So mm-hmm. is that the question? Yeah. <laughs> it, it started to answer it. Um, yeah. but when you talk about how CrossFit was helping you more psychologically, what do you mean by that? Um, so prior to CrossFit, the 2008 was a pretty gnarly year for me. I had changed jobs a few times, like a different, a couple different, uh, venues. Um, I had, I lost my, aunt my mom's sister and then two weeks later my dad had passed away uh so that was pretty gnarly and just like not in a good headspace as far as that stuff was concerned and then um and this is part of stuff that I put on like my affiliation paperwork a while ago when I affiliated um is that um you know CrossFit helped me psychologically kind of get back to myself I was in some pretty um abusive relationships and so I felt like it's like the shell of myself. And then all of these things just kept compounding. And, you know, of course you're young, you think you can handle everything and you don't seek any help outside of that. So CrossFit was really my, um, the vehicle that started to um, give me confidence again and help me understand that I am highly capable of hard things. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was a cool, it was, it was definitely my favorite thing about a program for yeah. sure. Now, was it like the work of the CrossFit workouts or was it the community or was it a mixture of both? All of that. Yeah. yeah. I have some of my very best friends. I mean, my very best friends are CrossFitters. So, um, absolutely. Um, absolutely the community, but more so it was like me against me, um, mm-hmm. you know, doing things that I never thought I would be able to do or challenging my somehow challenging yourself in that physical way really just transcends you know, outside of the walls of the gym, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, those things, mm-hmm. it was the workouts in the beginning, I think. Yeah. Here's a question for you. When you look at CrossFit, do you think you get the same results mentally, physically, all of that, if you just do it by yourself? Or do you think there is the community is a very big part of it that sometimes gets undervalued? Uh, no, the, if you ask, you know, if you're at a seminar or we're at a seminar mm-hmm. when we talk to people, it's like, what, what, how would you define CrossFit? 99% of the time people always throw out 
the community, right? So I don't think that's lost on anybody that's actually in the community. Mm -hmm. And I definitely agree with that statement. Um, I'm not, as far as working out is concerned, I'm absolutely not going to go as hard by myself <laughs> if I don't have somebody I, I'm probably gonna be like ah you know what it was supposed to be five rounds three is good you know or like man nobody's here watching me I really don't have to go this hard I do not need to suffer like this like I can take a break I can grab some water um you know I think that's why like COVID was tough too because you're just like I guess I'm here alone mm -hmm. doing this you know um but no the community is man, it keeps just, it keeps just saying, and I know like we have tons of members that they come to the gym, not just for the physical stuff, but more so to like keep their mind right. You know, they're going through things in their life and they're like, this is my happy place. This is where I feel safe. This is where I have connection with humans. And, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the, that's the business. So, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think anyone's undervaluing it. And I think the best thing you can hear as an affiliate owner or a coach is like, Oh, this community is so great. But I just wonder if there's mm -hmm. effects even more so than we think, which is already a lot of what the community actually is doing for you. Does that make sense? Mm, say it in a different way. What do you okay. mean? <laughs> <laughs> like we always throw out community and like no one's saying it's mm -hmm. like the community isn't a big part of it. But I, I think like just based off everything you just said that it has a huge impact on all of it. Like it, it does fuel the CrossFit, CrossFit methodology more so than doing it on your own. Yes, correct. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. cool. So going back to your coaching journey, you started training a few people. I think this is like a great way to get into it, by the way, like how you got into yeah. it, like start with one person, then a couple more, and then you're doing foundations. Um, what was the point where you realized like you wanted to try to do this for the rest of your life? Um, so I ended up uh, co-owning an affiliate. So this was like, I was transitioning. So really it went down like obviously like my lifestyle changed once I started doing CrossFit like before you know when you're in the nightlife industry in Vegas there um, are things called industry nights and so you have to go out to the nightclubs on the days that you're not working to support or promote other clubs and it's this like vicious cycle um, it, it, it's just like not it's incredibly unhealthy and there came a point in time where I was just like noticing that I really wasn't providing value for other people's lives in that industry. I was mm. like, oh, I'm ruining, I'm ruining your credit card statement. You know, you're going into debt because you're doing this bottle service that you probably can't afford. I'm also getting you so intoxicated. Um, you can barely stand up and, um, you know, need a wheelchair chair out of here. This is also not good. So it's just not, I'm just like, don't feel good about what I'm doing. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm adding value to the world. Uh, it just feels kind of toxic to me. And then yeah. I, it was toxic for, for myself. So I got to a point where I just really hated what I was doing. And, um, you know, my partner at the time, I was like, yo, do you, do you care if I quit doing this? And, and then that happened. And then we ended up, um, opening our gem and, you know, later opened up another one. So it's just, uh, that transition, I think, um, yeah, that was it. Mm -hmm. I was just tired of not doing anything that was worth value to others, you know, and it's a really good feeling to help others. It's a really awesome experience to, um, celebrate and successes, you know, um, the community aspect. I, I, when I didn't want to coach or when 
I didn't think I wanted to, I didn't want to be responsible for that. Like I enjoyed my successes. I found it far more rewarding to mm. help other people. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I don't know if I ever really thought of it as like, yeah, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. This mm. is it. Yeah. I just did it. And yeah. I was like, here I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, that sounds great. Like on paper and it's like a great idea. Like I'm going to quit this job that I don't like, that I don't feel like I'm adding value to the world to do something that is adding value to the world. But was that a hard transition to make? Oh my gosh. So, so hard. (laughs) My last job, uh, my last like industry job in Vegas, um, I was cocktailing at a pretty prominent day club. So it was like, you you know, it was like a pool day club. And, um, like people really want to work there because you make a lot of money, Mm. like a lot of money. Right. And so I found myself really trying to get fired. I was, I could not quit. I was like, please just fire me. Just fire me, please. I would, yeah, they wouldn't fire me. And so I finally had to to like pull the trigger and just, I hate it here. Like, I just hate this job. I hate doing this. I found something that I'm passionate about that I love doing. I doesn't, the money doesn't matter anymore. Mm. You know, when you, when you make $12,000 in a day, it's challenging to like, yeah, no, I can't right, go yeah. do something that you're going to not make that much money in the beginning. You know, you're like, I mean, forever, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, different fuels your soul, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you said yeah, you wanted was, to quit. It Did it make you nervous to make that leap? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, but you know, at a certain point, I think just like my personality is I get so sick of something. Mm. I can't, I can't make myself do it. It reminds me of like when I tried to work at old Navy, when I was like 16, I was there for like two weeks and I was like, this is terrible. I have to go. Just folding clothes. I'm tired of folding shirts. I hate this so much. That's what it reminds me. I can't do this. I'm out. I can't do it. Whatever's going to happen. It's kind of the same way, like, you know, moving, you know, when I moved to Hawaii or I moved to Vegas, I just made a decision and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I think I've always been like that. So, and then what were the early days of you owning an affiliate and all of that? What was that like? Um, it's so funny. Like when we were, you know, more successful and had employees and doing all the things, I always thought it was hilarious when, um, sometimes, uh, you know, our staff would cringe at their responsibilities or the things that they needed to do. Like I had never done them before because I was like, uh, in the beginning, we wore all the hats. We did every single thing up in here that you see. Like, this is the reason why we proved this. And I now have employees because I don't want to do all those things. And I have to dedicate my time to other other stuff. So, um, yeah, very busy. Uh, you know, they're from open till close. You're responsible for everything. But it's your baby. And you just dig in. You mm. dig in. I think I just dug in and it's just what I did and every tiny little detail mattered. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had, uh, me and my partner, we had the, the role split up. So he was responsible for certain things and then I was responsible for certain things. So we kind of delegated in that way. And mm-hmm. then, um, uh, yeah, we had one other, uh, person helping us out. He actually was a coach at the gym that split up that we, 
um, got half the members from at that point. And then he left and then he came back to work with, for us. So yeah. that was helpful too. But, you know, with classes all day long, it's, you work 12 hour days, a yeah. lot, mm-hmm. a lot, a <laughs> so, lot, yeah. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> no, like, so your CrossFit journey has been pretty long. Like you said that in the beginning, mm-hmm. is there anything knowing all the things, you know, now that you look back at those early days and you'd be like, I cannot believe we did that. Uh, like things that I would never do again yep, or something yeah. that was like, yeah, <laughs> uh, get, have a second facility. Nope. Okay. N- no one, just one, just do the one <laughs> trying to split your time between two massive facilities and trying to run around and be all the things to all the people. It's just like, it's, it, it, you don't, it's not necessary. You mm-hmm. just need to make your one facility. Great. So, um, I would not do that again. Mm-hmm. Nope, just one facility. One is enough. Did you notice that, it, like, like the quality goes down when you do that? Um, it's <laughs> quality in which way? Like, in, just in what overall way? Overall quality of the gym, I guess. Well, mm, not necessarily, because we were changing so many things to like get everything on board and kind of get because we bought a gym. Um, it was an existing facility, so trying to get that on board the people there and get everybody in the, it was just, it was more about like splitting time. It wasn't yeah. about quality changing. Um, it was more about ugh, working a lot more, <laughs> a lot more and trying to balance between the two communities. Cause when, even though it's not really that far in the, in the Valley, in the Vegas Valley, it's like, um, it's still separate communities. So trying to kind of mesh those things together was challenging so yeah no not a lack of quality Mm. maybe no the product was still the same Mm. like our coaching and all of that was still the same i just think people miss like mom or dad if that makes sense Mm. when we're at other facilities gotcha they're like when are we gonna see you because we're not on the floor we weren't on the floor coaching it very much because of that it's tough Mm -hmm. it's a tough business to like be the owner and pull back from because they expect to see you yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, hard. Yeah. So then, how and when did you decide to get onto seminar stuff? Um. So I decided that I, um, again, my partner then at that time he was on seminar staff. He's still on seminar staff. Um, he was on, and I just like watched. We used to host uh, seminars at our facility, and so I'd watch these seminars go down, and like you know, the people on staff are super inspirational and lovely humans. And you just are like, Oh my God, I want to be like that. I want to be around these people. I want to do what they do. I want to travel. Um, and so I think this was like 2000, I think 2011 is when I decided that I wanted to do that. And I needed to do the coaches prep course, which is now our current level two. So the coaches prep course, is now our current level two because the old level two had just been, which is now the new the new level four. Is this confusing at all? Mm-hmm. That had been stopped, before. and so they're, yeah. So they're like, hey, you need to take the coaches prep course. Um, so I think I did that towards the end of 2011, and then I started interning in 2012. Mm. Right, 2012. Um, I had to stop my internship process because I had shoulder surgery. And, um, I just didn't feel right about 
being at a seminar that people are paying money for. And I'm just like in the sling, Hey guys, <laughs> do the thing. Um, you know, both, both hands, both hands, yeah. not just one. And, um, and so I paused and then restarted in 2013 and I got hired on, uh, in April of 2013. Mm. So yeah. And I, this is like, so not the process now, but, uh, Dave used to come to our gym. Dave Castro used to come to our gym quite a bit. Um, he would drop in. And so one of the times he dropped in, um, I was advised to just ask him if I could intern. And so he was there. This is the, horrible. This is so horrible. I was like, Hey Dave, I'd really like to intern. And he asked if I moved well. And I literally like, what an idiot. I dropped down into an air squat. Are you impressed? Is this good? Can we- <laughs> who does that why did i do that that's so embarrassing <laughs> anyway i got an intern i got on the intern what did he say <laughs> when you did your air squad he was like great he was like yes you can intern i'm like okay so and then you know everyone thinks like the internship process is like a um like you're learning like it's an apprenticeship but it's not it's like a multiple weekend interview mm. so you're being scrutinized for everything. So we still have that process, but now we have things that you have to hit before mm-hmm. you can actually do that actual in-person. Gotcha. Um, if you, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. level That's, three, all of these things, you have to do an interview first. Yeah. That's an interesting yeah. question for him to ask you though. Cause I back squatted with him once and it, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> was he, was he judging your form? Was it terrible? No, it was the other way around. <laughs> That's terrible. Don't say that. <laughs> hey, man, if you get him to deadlift, I bet you it's great. Great. Yeah, I'm sure. No, it's just funny. Um, but yeah. Or Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So you get on seminar staff. How was the process mm-hmm. of interning and actually becoming on seminar staff? Like, was it stressful? Was it really Oh, hard? my God. It was, it was so stressful. <laughs> so I – it was funny. So, like – um, my partner was, you know, on staff already, but like he prepared, the only thing that he told me to do is like, make sure I know my progressions. Right. Mm. So not a problem. Have those memorized, not a big deal, but then it didn't help me with anything else. Like I just had to figure it out. So my very first internship, uh, number one, my very first internship, I actually demoed, which is hilarious. And so like I demoed, mm. which, which we're not supposed to do anything, but I demoed. And then, um, my very first one that I actually taught something, my um the the, one of the flow masters one of the other head trainers he was like do you know how this is supposed to go i was like they're like did this person tell you anything i was like no i have no idea (laughs) they're like okay (laughs) so big learning curve there fixed it for my next group which i i think is like one of the the signs of things that they look for it's like can you take feedback and immediately apply it Mm. cool can do that um and then from there it was just kind of like you know, you get feedback from these people that are so good at their craft. So just trying to implement that immediately. Um, I will never forget my second to last intern before I got hired on was in Park City with Chris Beeler. And it's Chris Beeler, you know, on the time in his heyday, you're just like, it's Chris Beeler. Even though he would come down to the gym all the time, very familiar with Chris, him in, in that role was terrifying. And back in the day, delivery of feedback was a lot. There was a lot like pages of notes, <laughs> just pages of things. 
hey, you should probably never do that ever again. Got it, Roger that. Okay. Um, but I remember leaving. I remember I still have those notes from Chris from that internship. I still have them. Um, but uh, I remember leaving day one, feeling like this preschooler amongst scholars. And I went to my hotel room and I felt so horrible about myself. I was like, what am I even doing? Have I even coached a day ever? Like what? Oh my God, what is happening? And I think like if I wasn't so entrenched in the community at that point and in CrossFit and competing and um, owning an affiliate, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have gone back on day two. That's how bad I felt about myself. It wasn't Chris. It was just it was me and this realization that I had so much to learn. Um, but I talked myself off the ledge and I was like, you know, it can't get any worse. <laughs> it can't get any worse. Showed up for day two. I think I was more relaxed. And because of that, um, I was able to come back for my final intern and yeah, got on. So that way it was, I just remember feeling completely devastated. I was like, what am I doing? Oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> so you've been doing that for a lot, like a long time now, right? Over 10 years. Uh, yeah. 10 yeah. years. Yep. 10 years. So a lot of experiences, but also a lot of like repetitiveness. You're doing the same thing constantly. What, mm -hmm. what are like some of the things that make it worth it to you and so fulfilling to you to keep coming back and just keep doing it? Yeah. Um, I guess you could, I mean, the content, I guess is repetitive for the level one stuff, but the audience is different. And I, so I think that's, that keeps it fresh also i just i don't know i just love it i just love being on the road i love um teaching people i love our level twos as well like those are even though the content in our our lectures is the same um again we're tailoring these things for each you know different group that we have in front of us and especially at a level two like i have to meet people where they're at regardless of their you know skill set and um that's a skill requirement of itself and there's always ways to be better so you know, I think something that I really enjoy about being on staff, um, I was actually talking with Lisa Ray um, yesterday. I had a phone call with her. She's in Korea right now. So that time difference was mm. funky, but <laughs> it made it work. Um, I, uh, we were, I just were chatting about feedback and the feedback loop and how, um, gosh, the CrossFit just puts so much like on seminar staff. Uh, they just put so much time into developing they're humans. And I just don't know of any other companies that really do that. Um, I'm sure they're out there, but I it's just like, there's so much effort to help you succeed, not only in your craft, but as a human, mm. um, that care like transcends the training aspect. And, and that community for me is like, been um, it's changed who I am as a person for the better because of that. So, mm. um, I think, I think leadership, my leadership is why I want to keep coming back, um, as well as the community. Um, my growing isn't done. I, I can still learn new things. There's things to, ref I'm still refining things. You're always refining things, you know? Um, and so I, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how it hasn't for someone who likes things to like be different and stays and in stay interesting. Like mm -hmm. it, I'm not bored. I'm never bored. I've never, I've never been bored. I've never been like, 
oh, you know, just going through the motions. It's not, it's not that way. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Is it something you see yourself doing for the rest of your life? I have no intention on changing anything. Hmm. So yeah, probably. Just keep on keeping <laughs> as long on. As, as long as they'll have me, you know, as long as they'll have me. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the big one well, right there, yeah. It, it's, it's cool because, like, you know, when you've been doing it for so long, um, you know, you have so many seminars under your belt and have done so many of these things to be able to have things to work. Just like CrossFit, you know, like mm-hmm. the list of things totally. to get better at never ends if anything i swear it's getting longer you know it's just like oh now we have to you know go backwards to the wall and do handstand push-ups and now i need to do double over cross under whatever double under crossovers i'm like ah it's just there's things and then so now like at this point in the game for me it's like how does the transition happen to you know hone the craft further but also be able to be in some type of leadership role like how does that happen and how do you, how do I get mentored into that type of uh, mm-hmm. position? So, you know, it, it, it's just evolving, constantly evolving. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And is it yeah, cool? I don't, is it cool for you now to be in that leadership role? Like having gone through it all and being in it for so long, like, is it cool to flip it and now be mentoring other people? Um, I'm not necessarily, my job is not to mentor. I'm, I'm mm. still just, just a head trainer. You know, I'm not gotcha. a flow master at this point, which gotcha. is, fine i um i think i had a a lot personally like a lot more growing to do for myself before that could ever be a thing and understanding that you know leadership is not about what you can do it's about how you can help your team be Mm. the best versions of themselves Mm and understanding that and then delivery of feedback and you know it's taken me a long time to not be as abrasive as i used to be and Mm. like so (laughs) you know it's just um it's a, it's a, it's a big learning curve. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, you know, obviously we have newer seminar staff and I do try to like, just be a team player and help them out as much as, as I can. And, um, I guess I don't, I don't know. I guess I am. I guess I am like, but people say like, I call me like an OG in the CrossFit community. That just, it feels weird to me. I have like imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. I know it's a thing. I know I've been around for a long time, but it just feels weird to say that. So I just try to help out our, our team as best I can and be like, Hey, maybe try this instead of doing that. But that's also, you know, stay in my lane as far as like my responsibilities are concerned. And if I'm asked to do that, absolutely. I can help, but yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting place to be. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's so. switch gears. You ready? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> All right, let's talk about diesel day. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> First off, how did you hear about it? And then what made you decide to sign up and do it? Um, how did I hear about it the first time? I think I saw, I think I might have just saw it on Instagram or heard about it from Tosh somehow. I mean, it's Tosh, you know, like follow him. I, I do that love that guy. It just, it's Tosh. Like, <laughs> fine. He's a freaking war hero, amazing human. Like, come on. It's, uh, you know, he's, I've worked with him on staff, uh, you know, a little bit before he kind of like went off and started doing his own thing with this stuff. And um, just an incredible human to want to be around. And um, so when he put this out, I was don't confuse. I think I saw some of the media and like videos about it. And I was like, I still didn't really understand. It's all very cryptic. And I understand why 
it's cryptic now mm. of like what it is you know i i get it i yeah. get it but like i'm like because i was like re- trying to read i was like this is so vague like yeah. what are we doing like i don't understand it's, it's um, funny you say that because like when people ask me to describe it and i kind of give them that answer like that we give to people they're like okay you literally gave me nothing i'm like well that's part of it it's part you of know? it yeah so i know I was on to kind of like refresh my memory and like my memory is shitty. This is why I take like so much video and document everything. So I'm like going back through all of my like media and like um, my stories and stuff like that from when I was there last year for diesel day. And I was like, yes, this is a great refresher. And I, in my, in one of my stories, I was like, okay, I'm ready to share my experience of diesel day. And like, I posted a picture of me and Jenny at the end of it, you know, when we had like <laughs> Bloody Marys <laughs> and I was like, I did it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So I think I found out about it via social media and I was reading about it. And then I think the CEUs kind of helped a little bit because need those, uh, we have less CEUs now, but, um, at the time it was like 50 for every three years for our, to maintain our level three credential, but less about, I think I found out about that later when I had already committed, but more so I was using this to prepare for Kilimanjaro last year. Mm. Um, so I had done other things that like physically tested me. Um, so going to Kauai and paddling the Nepali coast, which was super gnarly, like 17 miles along just in the ocean. You know, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal since Tosh just paddled across the Atlantic. But for me, like that was like wild. I was in a kayak, you know, just paddling the Nepali. Um, those big fish underneath me, just some really big ones. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then like, you know, another 32 mile walk, which I had never done anything like that before or prepared for anything like that. Um, and then I knew Achille was coming, so I had been training for it, but I knew that like, that was going to be something that I needed something more, more psychological. Um, and so that inspired me to want to do it. Um, Cassidy, uh, one of the, my coworkers here, who's also on seminar staff, he did it the month before me. Um, and again, I like, was like, so what was it like? And he was just so cryptic and he was like, it was great. And I was like, uh, uh, okay, <laughs> anything else? Any other details? Nope. Okay. All right. Great. So it was magical for you. So, um, yeah, that was the motivation. Kilimanjaro was really the big ticket item for me mm. on that. Yeah. So, so you get there. I remember this very clearly. You show up to Tasha's house and you're nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also my boss's house. Like it's also like terrifying. I'm like at Nicole Carroll's house. Like, okay, don't do anything dumb to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was kind of kidding about the nervous, but you were nervous. Yeah. <laughs> I was absolutely like, I'm with a whole bunch of strangers. I don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so you go through it and it was great. You said that <laughs> as you laugh. Yes. Um, what were some yeah. of the moments that stood out? Like what were some of the hard moments or some of the moments where you thought maybe you weren't going to get through it or like when you were down, like what were some of those moments and how'd you out overcome or get out of those? Oh my gosh. So 
this is, and maybe you remember this differently, but like you were definitely there for some of my moments, a couple of my moments while I was stumbling around, around the 18 hour mark, just <laughs> drunk, not really drunk, just drunk because I'd been awake for so many hours doing things. And, um, and, uh, I just remember like, I don't even know how much I can say on here. Cause I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Okay. Mm. We're doing some things. We're doing the things. We're doing the things. We're doing some things. And in moments when I was like by myself, those were the moments that I found to be the, the toughest mm. because I was just out there in my thoughts. And I'm just like, how am I going to motivate myself to keep going? There were so many moments during diesel day that I just, I, pretty sure I got emotional, like within the first, like four hours I was there that we started, like, um, just because I was out there by myself and like, why am I doing this? I could set it down. I could, maybe I shouldn't say that I could do this. I could stop. Right. Why do I, and then I started thinking about my life and like, why procrastinate on things? This is like one of the first like epiphanies, like, why do I procrastinate on things? Um, you know, it's because you don't want to do it. Why don't you push yourself here? Well, I don't want to do it. So just do it, mm. right? And so it was like moments like that. And then I started, like, as the hours progressed, it started becoming like, all right, you're doing it. You're capable of things. You're still going. And then it turned, like, it was an odd, I don't know how I got here, but it was just thinking about all of the times that I, like, let people into my life that didn't deserve to be, be there, but I let them in because it's how I felt about myself. And why did I do that for so many years? That was like one of like the, that was one of the, that was like one of the first profound moments that I was like, Oh my God, you need to like apologize to yourself and then forgive yourself. And that was just like, that was a, that was a pretty, I like, and I don't even know where that came from. I think I was just like suffering out there thinking about my life choices and how did I end up here? (laughs) And that was like one of the things. And then, um, and then around that hour 18, um, when it's dark outside, you've been doing things for a while and I'm just like delirious. I was just so delirious. I don't even know what Tosh said to me when I came in from one of the things I'm being so vague right now. I don't even remember what he said. I really don't remember what he said to me, but I just remember somehow standing back up. I think he made you come with me at that point. Mm. Yep. Cause I like couldn't walk. Cause I, I wasn't this. able to like yeah. walk straight. Mm-hmm. Like I literally falling asleep, standing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I remember you sitting at the picnic table convincing I think I was like done. I was so, I remember I think I was crying I'm pretty sure I was crying yeah pretty sure I was sobbing and I really can't remember what Josh said but whatever he said I got back up you came with me and which is kind of like what everything we've been talking about it speaks to like doing this with like somebody else mm-hmm. you know with a group of people you know um oh my gosh I'm gonna get I'm getting verklempt here. I'm getting verklempt. Um, just have somebody there, like, helped get through that moment of, like, this is hard and have to keep doing this. So, and you do. Mm-hmm. And then you just keep going. And then you do it some more. 
and, and then just keep and repeating until twenty four hours. Like, up. oh, you, you, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. So, and and I remember the end. The finish was was something that I was like, just because I had like these tough moments during this, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to leave this experience finishing that way. Mm. You know, I want to leave this experience like pushing hard, which then in hindsight, like it makes me, and I really want to do diesel day two, um, which is wild that I want to do that. Do you know how swollen I was for days after this year? Oh my God. I was so like, I can't come this year, but oh, um, gotcha. the next diesel day uh, too, I will for sure. Yeah, gotcha. I want to. I know everybody from the group's been asking me if I'm going to do it. I would like to, but I can't. I can't this year. Mm-hmm. So um, the next diesel day too. That's another cool part that you just but, brought um, up. How close everybody stays afterwards. Yeah. Like I'll yeah. still oh talk my gosh, to people all, all the time. Absolutely, absolutely. It's like, well, when you go through something like that with people, you bond, and I, I think it's wild that like we're all struggling with different things our own demons and whatever that is in our own brain and like yet we're all able to have this shared suffering and basically get to like the same result and they just um there's some tough people man mm-hmm. it's not easy like that it yeah I-, I can't tell you how much i've called on that experience since that ex- since diesel day mm-hmm. um actually all the time <laughs> Principles of the left hand all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, like all the time. Like, oh, this too shall pass. This mm-hmm. too shall pass. Yep. This is going to pass. This is temporary. Mm-hmm. The p- positive or negative. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I text uh, Tosh when I finished, when I summited Killingly, when I was back at like reception and I sent him a picture of the summit, I mean, the summit. And um, Diesel day, not the physicality of it, but the psychological and then the just experience and like being in the middle of the night, that kind of stuff and how tough that was. Mm-hmm. That that experience let me that that's the why I summited a Kilimanjaro. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. my porters were amazing, but psychologically, that is why I summited. I don't think I would have summited if it wasn't for Diesel Day. That's like mm-hmm. a pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. It was Killy was hard. Killy was really hard. Um, but I was prepared for a lot of things because of diesel day mm-hmm. and i i got through it because of a lot of the things that taught. and i shared when we were walking trekking at the mountain i shared a simple simplified dumbed down version of principles of the left hand with oh. my, my with the crew that i was walking up with mm-hmm. and like at the end they were like that really helped thank you so much i was like oh, just passing on for somebody else you yeah. know so um it's pretty crazy, like what, is, like it's just a simple twenty-four hours can do. Mm-hmm. It's so cool, like the whole left hand stuff, because it's so simple, but it's so powerful at the same time. But if you're not consciously thinking about it, it's easy for things mm-hmm. to get out of control. Mm-hmm. But what's your, um, what's your? Now I'm gonna ask questions. What's great. your, <laughs> what, what is your, um, what's your go-to finger that you find yourself, and then like, what's your secondary one? I know mm. what mine are, but like, what's the one that you go to? <laughs> Usually my thumb. That's easy. Like, I'm okay? Yeah. That's your first one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then usually it'll be the pinky. Wow. Yeah. The little things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, like, that's not at all No, because like the little things, it's, it's so simple. It's like 
like kind of control what you can control like do a small thing now that's going to help you later like it just it breaks things down for me like i'm big into breaking things down into small pieces and that just mm-hmm. helps a ton because i get very overwhelmed looking at big picture things interesting so what about you mine is immediately the middle finger immediately <laughs> it's that's like that i go to yeah wild right that was- yeah Immediately, it's the middle finger and then it's uh the ring finger the commitment mm. like why am i doing it? what's my commitment what did mm-hmm. i commit to mm. why am i doing this uh yeah that's crazy that's interesting yeah the... it's usually like f you why am i doing this <laughs> the, the pointer finger though is super powerful especially when you're like in relationships or just like maybe oh like a gosh. conflict with somebody else it's just super powerful to like okay, I'm pointing my finger at somebody else, but there's three other things at least that are pointing back at me. And what are those? And just to identify those, I think it's super just changing like the, the, I think that that finger like helps me create a different dialogue in my brain about like what might be happening, you know? Yeah, so, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That helps me in that way. I, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm. It's so simple, but it's so interesting. It's very powerful. So yeah. Uh, it definitely helps me yeah. be a little more patient. Like, the pointer finger uh-huh. because it's like okay like you're mad at this person but like let's break it down further and let's see why maybe they're mad at you or like mm-hmm. any kind of situation right it just makes you stop and think and analyze a little bit more than like i'm just mad <laughs> you're wrong <laughs> i'm just i'm just angry mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah powerful stuff yeah very totally. um well and i look i look at it to so like back on it and you know, and then experiences since Diesel Day, it's like, I want to go back to Diesel Day too, and do more, mm-hmm. you know, I know it's a different challenge and I know it's longer and all of those other things, but I think just, um, I want to, I think there's, you know, it's kind of like our, in CrossFit, you know, we feel at the margins of our experience, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of phrase. And then going back for Diesel Day too, it's like, I know quasi what to expect so then I can really hunker down and and hammer hard instead mm-hmm. of just be out there like not knowing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just it'll be a little different experience. So mm-hmm. I would like to do Diesel Day two how I finished Diesel Day one. That would be yeah ideal. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. and you brought up you brought up a good point earlier, and like Tosh would say the same thing. It's like a lot of people think they're just showing up to do something really hard physically, which is true, mm-hmm. but like what you don't even realize in the moment a lot is like what else is going on like mentally, like just your thought process and like dealing with other things that might be going on and then how much you take with you after that, that helps you in real life. Cause real life isn't a 24 hour event, <laughs> you know, but the, everything you do there just put into practice and you can apply it to life. And that's where the real power is in it. Yeah. Like I said, I use it all the time, all the time, mm-hmm. whenever, you know, things that are outside of my control or within my control. It's just like, all right, how can I take a look at this? And I was actually, I, so, something so silly, like the other day, um, how was I doing it? I don't know. It was just like a mundane everyday task. And mm-hmm. I just remember, I think I was just like cleaning my condo and I was just like going around and I'm like, if I go in here, I need to grab this. And then I like how we would make choices to stop doing whatever we're doing. And like, make your what if you're going to take us if you're going to pause if you're going to stop make it worth it right or make that i was just like 
just mundane things yeah, thinking right? about decent mm-hmm. day and like the choices that I make and how that has a yeah. cumulative effect or how I can be more efficient with that stuff or what's that going to cost me. Mm-hmm. So um, it was just an, I don't know. It's, it's wild that it just is infiltrated my life so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. I think it's great. <laughs> and again, it's really hard to describe like what we were just talking about to somebody. Cause it's so vague. It's like, you're going to come here do something physically hard, but like what you learn and what you practice and what you apply is going to go like, you're never going to think about things the same again. And that's just like a big mm-hmm. statement to throw out there to someone and be like, Oh yeah, I trust you. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, you should totally do it. I can't tell you what you're going to get from it or what it is, but you should definitely do it. It's going to change your life. <laughs> it's going to change everything. Exactly. Oh, man. But, Gosh. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited to hear you're going to come back. Yeah, I want to. Um, I definitely, definitely want to. I wish I could come with the crew in July. It's just mm. like too much going on here. Yeah, I yeah. really, that would be fun to like do that again with them. But yeah, yeah. That almost all of them were like following the journey to Killy. Like everyone's like, oh my gosh, we're so excited to see your, you know, captain's log and like Mm -hmm. your journey, you know, posted everything. And it was cool to, you know, get the congrats from, from the teammates from diesel day one from that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, It's pretty cool. And then like, and then to watch, you know, and then to watch Tosh, you know, your fearless leader throughout this thing that's taught you so many awesome fearless things. Leader. Your fearless leader who's like <laughs> then doing something hard himself. Like obviously that's like in his DNA. He needs to go do these things for himself. And it's like to watch him, like it blows my mind that they paddled across the Atlantic. Like that's terrifying to me. Like mm-hmm. you're just there in the ocean, middle of the ocean in a rowboat. A couple of buddies yeah. just rowing for days, mm-hmm. for days. nonstop, no yep. big deal. Um, to watch him, um, you know, execute that and um, it just to learn from somebody like that is pretty, pretty yeah. freaking cool. So, for sure. Anyway, so now we're sitting yeah. here present day, March, whatever day it is, 2023. What mm-hmm. are 13th. some plans and goals that you have for the future? Oh man, um, that's that's broad. Can we just sure? You can say whatever you want, or you can say nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, so I had a really, I didn't realize this until I made a real closing out twenty twenty two, but I had a, an epic year last year. Mm. It's probably one of my, and that includes Diesel Day. I, I, you know, it's probably one of my best years in a very long time, mm. and um, I just. I really put a premium on experiences and personal growth and I did it and it was mm. amazing. And I was like, I didn't realize I did. So I was like, everyone was like, you were never here, like here in Virginia Beach. They're like, you were never here last year. You're never here. I was like, that's not true. I'm here. And then I made that real. And I was like, Oh man, I like really did do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so putting that in perspective from last year, when you put a premium on those things, other things, don't get taken care of as much. So mm-hmm. my goal for this year um, is to focus on um, my professional side of things. Now I'm already, it's March, it's the beginning of March and I'm already starting to get the itch to like, wanna go somewhere and travel on an adventure and do things. So I think I'm gonna have to add that into the onto my docket here before too long cause I'm gonna lose my mind. Last year was like Kawhi three times. Mm-hmm. 
this old day, you know, <laughs> Africa, you know, yeah, just yeah. all over the place. Um, it seems like I was going someplace. I think I went somewhere at least once or twice a month. So mm. um, this year, like I said, I'm hunkering down on the professional side. So this is why I was like on that call with Lisa last night. It's like, hey, how can I have some accountability and how can I kind of push forward um, through some things, you know, whether it's seminar staff or myself personally um, at the gym at Rife, um, how can I be a better teammate and employer in that way or employee in that way? Um, and then I think I'm going to go to Egypt this year. Mm. I think that's on, nice. that's um, yeah, it's, it's a bucket list. And I just worked a seminar with um, a gentleman who runs the competition that's out there. I can't remember what it's called for the life of me, but he invited me out and I, I think I'm going to take him up on that because you know, what a way to go cross it mm -hmm. sanctioned events, go explore and, um, see some things and do that. So, um, like I said, this year is mostly dedicated to like professional development for me. Um, and just continuing that process and then maybe having a little bit more balance of adventure, but yeah. man, those things give me stuff to look forward to, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Diesel day too. Yeah. That sounds really boring. Just like professional development. So that's what I'm focusing on. <laughs> then when, you, when you talk about it, it sounds a lot more exciting. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. I feel better about it. <laughs> I'm going to work a lot this year. That's my goal. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to have an epic summer, summer Connor. I'm going to be at the beach, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to at some point explore DC. My best friend's moving there tomorrow. And so. I'll head up there, spend some some quality time with her, but have a little bit more relaxed year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. 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 It's That's awesome. It. it sounds great. That's all I got. Sounds like a yeah. good plan. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> all right, Lindsay. Well, thanks a lot for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. You're... Thanks for asking me. Yeah. I hope I was entertaining as your other guests. <laughs> you were very nervous in the beginning, but you came around. Thanks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Appreciate that. I just hope I don't listen to this and hear myself say like 800,000 times. You're going to hear that a lot and you're going to hear I guess a lot. Great. Thanks for the feedback. You're welcome. There you go. It's just the, it's the feedback <laughs> loop, you know? Perfect. We can all be better. We can all be better.